We're moving through the book of Acts. We just walked through Peter's second sermon delivered there as the church is forming, as the church is starting. And last week we finished, if you remember, with this great verse, and it's Acts chapter 4, verse 12. It says this, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. An awesome, awesome verse. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Friends, understand that verse tells us that we are saved through Jesus Christ alone. It plainly says there, there is salvation in no one else. Listen, it is alone in Jesus Christ. It is alone in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Because if you do, I want you to understand what we're saying. We are actually saying that there truly, really is no other way to be saved. That's what that verse is saying. That's what we're agreeing with. There is no other way to be saved. What what we're saying is that all people, listen, any person that doesn't accept, believe, and I'm talking about actually believe in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are lost. They're lost. They're headed for a reality of an eternity in hell. There truly is, listen, that's what we're saying, no other name. There is no other choice. There are not gonna be any second chances. I want you to hear me very well this morning. Your great friend, your family member, your neighbor, your child, your parent, your spouse, any person who does not believe the truth of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, whatever you think of them, no matter what they say, the words that come out of their mouth, they are lost and they will perish. Folks, if we believe this verse, that there is really only salvation in Jesus Christ alone, if, if we believe that, if we do, if, if we actually believe that, then I wanna tell you this morning, we better get to talking. If we have any character at all, if we have any integrity at all, if we have any love at all, we better get to talking. Our message today is entitled, Get Loud. We're in Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 22. Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 22. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning here in the 13th verse, God's word says this. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when, the, but when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem 
and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis for which to punish them on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful, we're so thankful for you. We're thankful for the hope and the peace, the forgiveness of sin that we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm thankful that as we hear this truth, that it resonates, that there is, yes, salvation, forgiveness, peace in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that today as we study your word, that that would be stamped on our hearts, stamped in our minds, and that if we understand what we're saying, that we would truly be prepared to tell a lost and dying world the good news of Jesus Christ, lest they perish. Lord, help us be bold. Lord, help us to be courageous. Lord, help us to speak up. Lord, help us to endure. And then, Lord, in all of that, every piece of that be glorified. Lord, we come today and we praise you. You truly are great. We worship you. We thank you. We submit all this to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When I read the book of Acts, I am encouraged. When I read the book of Acts, I am challenged. As I, as I read through the book of Acts, I, I think to myself, you know what? I, I want to see that, or I want to do that. And I, I read the account, and I see what's going on, and, and I'm encouraged, and I think, man, I would, I would love to see that. Uh, the church is growing as we, as we pass through this, and not, not just growing in increments. It is crazily growing. It's going house to house, but then there's also mass movements that are taking on, and the, the church is crazily growing, and, and people are bold. Lives are, are, are changing. And you can almost feel it as it goes from town to town. It, it starts first here in Jerusalem, but you can almost feel it as it goes through the account as God is moving and God is, is working and it is marvelous and it is miraculous. There is a church that proclaims the gospel and God is moving. I'm encouraged when I read that. I, I, I want to see that. And let me cut to the chase today. Question is, is that possible today? Is that possible today? The church would be a, a place where God is known to work and to move and there's, a, there's an excitement in the air and folks are being saved and the church is growing. Is that possible today or was that just then? Is that just something to remember, something to, to read about and, and to praise God for? Or listen, is that possible today? Well, let me just tell you, I believe with all that I am that not only is it possible, 
but that it is God's plan. That's what I believe. I, I, I believe it is God's plan. And, and let me tell you, I believe today, listen, today on this day, right now, right here in this place, that God is teaching us from these first days of the church in how to operate in the last days of the church. Now, I, I can't make that uh, big enough for you. Listen, in these last days of the church, God is instructing us as we look to the first days of the church, and I believe very surely that Jesus is coming again very, very soon. Jesus is coming again, and those outside of Jesus, those people will be lost and I believe he's instructing us with the urgency of the church in the first day that this has to be the urgency of the church in these last days. Do you see how important this is? Here's the deal. So how did the church grow? How was God's power on display? How was the supernatural movement, the miraculous movement of God, the normal thing? This was, this was normal to them. Well, here's the answer. And folks write books about it and they write steps about it and, and people discuss this and they have all sorts of ideas. But I want to tell you, it's, it's not that hard of an answer. Here's the answer. The answer is they were radically committed to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, what about their programs? Well, what about their facilities? What about their stuff? Listen, the reason God moved in the church and it was known as a marvelous, miraculous thing is they were radically committed to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is how the church grows. That is how you see marvelous things. And that's what we're gonna see in our verses today. Let's go to our verses beginning today in verse 13. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Verse, verse 13 is a pretty telling verse. There's a lot going on. Let me read it to you again. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Now let's look very carefully at this 13th verse. Peter and John are before the Sanhedrin. All the leaders, uh, the, the rulers, the, 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 the temple police, they've all been assembled. Really they're before the Sanhedrin. They have given their bold answer. They have given their bold message. And, and really remember, Peter preaches to the very men, the very men, Annas, Caiaphas, the very men who killed Jesus. And as these men see the confidence of Peter and John as they explain the scriptures, as they explain the fulfillment of the coming of the Messiah in great detail, how all of those scriptures are answered in Jesus Christ as they are handling the word of God, the Sanhedrin, these men, the Bible says they are amazed. Now I want you to get this, it's very important. Understand it wasn't just interesting to them. Understand it wasn't just a novelty to them. They are amazed, it literally translates, they are bewildered, they can't understand, they are blown away. You see, these are just lay people. 
These are fishermen. They hadn't studied under some great rabbi. That's what they esteemed. They hadn't been to school and, and trained under this person and gone away and been educated in some school of thought. And so they wonder, how is this possible? How is this happening? As they handle the word of God, pointing to Jesus, they are amazed. Now I want you to notice this. And began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. What does that mean? They recognized, they began, I want you to see, began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. See this, here's what happens. As they are witnessing this, as they are listening to this, a light comes on. And if, if we miss it, they didn't miss it, it's almost an, an uh-oh that you could hear in the air. Now think with me, remember Jesus was a carpenter's son. He ran around with fishermen. But do you remember when he taught, the Bible says, they reported he teaches as one with authority. As they start to see what they are doing, a bell goes off in their head and it starts to connect. Uh-oh, they're doing the same thing as Jesus. Uh-oh, the problem is back. And they recognize them as having been with Jesus, an uneducated man is telling of the, the scripture, is showing how the Messiah is fulfilled in the scripture. And as they're listening to these two men, they all of a sudden remember Jesus, who was a carpenter by trade, and how he did the same thing. And the light goes off. Problem's back. Thought we ended this. Thought he was gone. Problem is back. Here's a question. Could anyone tell that you've been with Jesus? Coworkers, friends, the people you're close to. Listen today, is your life any different? Is your hope any different? Is your peace, your purpose, is your life any different from the rest of the people that we walk with? Could anyone tell that you've been with Jesus? Verse 14. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. Verse 14 is kind of a, a comical verse to me. Remember the guy that in, the, in two sermons ago, he was the guy that was healed and it says he was found walking and leaping and praising the Lord. Well, you know what? His walking and his leaping and his praising the Lord has sure caused a lot of commotion. The crowd has drawn, the, the sermon has been preached. It ends with them here before the Sanhedrin and I'm sure these guys, as they're there in the meeting of the most powerful council, as they're there, they wonder, why is he still here? Walking and leaping and praising the Lord. Why is he still here? But they, he's here, they couldn't deny him. And it says they couldn't say a word. Now, maybe it's a small thing, and, and I'll just tell you, it's really not the point to the verses but shouldn't the church be full of people that as the gospel is proclaimed, they're walking and leaping and praising the Lord? 
Shouldn't that be the church? Shouldn't the the church that we're telling there's good news, there's hope in Jesus Christ and the hope is sure. Shouldn't the church be filled with people that as you're testifying to the gospel, you're preaching the gospel, they've been changed by the gospel and so as they stand there, they're walking and they're leaping and they're praising the Lord. As the gospel's preached, Shouldn't there be people that their lives stand to testify to the goodness and the graciousness of our God? So I was thinking about that. I thought yesterday, yesterday was Jeannie Nail's birthday. And I I couldn't help but think about her. You know what? It's easy to preach the gospel with people like Jeannie Nail here. You know what? She got saved on a Monday night mission night. She got saved on on the Monday night mission night. You know what, it was an awesome thing. Her life, her countenance changed. She was so excited about her faith in Christ. You know what, it's an awesome thing to preach the gospel with Jeannie Nail in the room. I remember the first service, they, we went on a Monday night. They, they put their faith in Christ, her and Timmy, and they, they came that Sunday. And I still remember this. We had two services, had Sunday school in between, and they came to the first service. And we got done with the first service, and they were sitting over here, and they were, they were almost bouncing up and down. They were so happy to be here. And they said, when's the next service? And I said, well, it's in, a, it's in an hour and 15 minutes, but it's exactly like this service. And they said, we're going to go eat breakfast. We'll be back. Guess what? Second service started. Guess who was here? I don't know how long it's been since they've been to church. They're twice in two hours. <laughs> service finishes. Here's what they said. Walked up. When's the next service? Well, it's tonight at 6 o'clock. Guess who was there that night at 6 o'clock? Here's here's what I've figured out. When the truth of the gospel, the good news of the gospel goes silent in a church, when it becomes less frequent in a church, persimmon suckers show up. Now, what that means, my granny, I've explained this to you. She used to say people that are foul and bitter look like they've been sucking on a persimmon. And I'll just tell you, listen, when the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is less frequent, when it's not preached, when it's not heard, when we're not seeing the fruit of it, guess who shows up in the absence of the good news? The church fills up with persimmon suckers. I'd rather have people that are walking and leaping and praising the Lord, testifying to the goodness of a gracious God that saved them through Jesus Christ. Verse 15, but when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another. Verse 16, saying, what shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. They ask, what shall we do? Now, be, be very sure here, they've got a real problem on their hands. The same dilemma that they had in Jesus is back in their hands. They don't understand. Man, we pulled that off. We masterfully put that together and we got rid of him. But now they're back in the same situation and they're just back where they were. If they run them off, the people are gonna revolt. If we kill them, the people are gonna riot. If we let them keep on, the movement is gonna grow and they can't believe they're back there again. We're back here again. What shall we do? Here's their answer, verse 17. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, 
let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. The word for warn, it, it literally translates to threaten, to forbid. And so you put those two things together. It's really to, to threaten, to forbid with the, with the idea of a punishment, of violence that is pending. It is to threaten them. So they warn them. Now their answer is to threaten them to try and intimidate them into silence. Now, I want you to be sure of this. Some folks speak empty threats. These weren't empty threats. These are the actual people that killed Jesus. And so those folks with that background, they threaten them, they forbid them to speak no longer in this name. Now, Acts 4.12 says there is no other name There is no other name, but they forbid that you would speak in this name. Verse 18. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now they have commanded them. This is their ruling. They've decided what to do. They have commanded them not to speak or teach at all, that's what it says, at all in the name of Jesus. And for the second time they've been told, they've been warned not to speak in the name of Jesus. Again, Acts 4.12 says there is no other name, but now they've been commanded not to speak in this name. Let me tell you something here. As we are in these last days being instructed by these first days, let me show you something, and I think this is the point to all of this, and we need to be very clear today. As we, as we grow in the urgency of these last days, as we're taking our cues from the first days, we need to understand our job is to speak and to proclaim and to teach the name of Jesus. I want to tell you, I'm afraid the church has, has gotten off track of that today, and I'm, I'm afraid the church has lost sight of that today. Listen to me, brother and sister, You can be very sure of this. Listen, the world doesn't care if we preach about poverty. The world doesn't doesn't care if we preach about feeding the poor. The world doesn't care if we preach about social justice. They might jump in with us. They don't care if we preach about equality or morality. They don't care if we build great sermon series all about self-help. The world doesn't care if we, if we preach about spirituality or prayer. The world doesn't listen, even care if we preach about the church. It doesn't care as long as we do not preach about Jesus because there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. And the message of the church is Jesus. It's Jesus. The urgency of these folks was that there is salvation alone in Jesus. The message of the church is gonna be Jesus. Don't speak, don't teach at all, but the message is Jesus. Verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. Peter says here in verse 19, God gave us this call. God gave us this call. Listen, he gave us a call. 
God gave us this commission. He says God gave this to us and whether it's right before God to listen to you or to listen to him, y'all can worry about that. Y'all can figure that out. Verse 20. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. They couldn't stop speaking about what they'd seen or what they'd heard. That means they were bearing witness to, they were testifying to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't stop. They, they say to them, you know what, God gave us this call and we cannot stop testifying to what it is that we've seen and what we've heard. I want you to notice something here. It says, we cannot. Verse 20, we cannot. The Greek word, dunamahi, dunamahi. It translates, not able to, not possible not possessing the ability. We are not able to. We do not possess the ability. Now, I want you to notice right there, it doesn't say we will not stop. Now, that would have been a good thing. We will not stop. You want us to stop? We're not gonna stop. It does not say we will not stop, an act of resolve, an act of willpower. It does not say that where there is even a hint of possibility. It says we do not possess the ability. We are not capable. We are not able of stopping. Do you hear the word? They said the word specifically. Listen, you tell us to stop. We'll have to weigh that out. You will, but we cannot stop. It is is not possible. Having seen what we've seen, having heard what we've heard, knowing the good news of the gospel of a resurrected Savior, we cannot stop testifying. Let that bounce in your head. We cannot stop testifying. Folks, that is the response to the gospel. That is the response of the saved, the redeemed. Folks, that is the response of the church. We have seen our Savior Jesus and we can't, we have tasted of his salvation, of his graciousness through the cross and we cannot stop testifying. We do not possess the ability. Folks, I imagine some of y'all are sick of this message, but let me tell you, the difference in the church today is they couldn't command them to stop, but for whatever reason, we can't find the desire to start. That's the difference in the church today. They could not command them to stop. We can't stop. And we, we have to put in programs and posters and videos and this and that. And we have to put cake out and, and this and that. Oh, if you'll just do it, if you'll just do it, if you'll just do it. They couldn't command them to stop. And we can't find the motivation to start. Listen, they're facing a certain death. These are the folks that killed Jesus and they cannot stop. 
We're looking at the lost people all around us and they are just as sure in their death, but it's an eternal death and yet for some crazy reason, we will not start. And that's the difference. They truly believe there is salvation in no other name and so they spoke that name. Jeremiah chapter 20 verse nine, listen to this. Jeremiah says, but if I say I will not remember him, I love that part more than any part, but if I say I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones and I am weary, I'm growing tired of holding it in and I cannot endure it. We cannot stop. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Verse 21, when they threatened them further, added danger to it. They let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Hear me today, listen very carefully. God is not trying to grind us up. And I, I, wanna, I wanna be very clear with you here. This, this message is not to make us feel bad. That's not the point to this message. It's not to make us feel inadequate. It's not to remind us where we failed. We sit there and say, oh, I've, I've failed at that. I haven't done that. That is not the point to this message. Listen to me, kids. Listen to me, high schoolers, college students, adults, parents, grandparents. Listen to me. Our God is patient. Our God is kind. He desires that not one person should perish. Do you understand that? That is our God. He's patient and he's kind and he's gracious and he desires that not one person would perish. He died for them all. He purchased them all on the cross of Calvary. He's paid for it all. The cost is paid and it's finished there at Calvary. In grace, he's offered the peace of redemption to all people by faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, if you believe, you will be saved. And yet, he will not tarry forever. I want you to hear that. We are coming to a time very shortly. Go, go read the, 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 the telltale signs in the New Testament. We are coming to a day very shortly when it's gonna be too late. And I wanna tell you, as the sands and the hourglass, you ever watch the sands in an hourglass and it looks like it's not moving and then all of a sudden it speeds up and then all of a sudden it goes fast. You ever watch the sands in the hourglass? I, I wanna tell you as the sands are running out at the most vital time as the world is loud and oh my lands, the world is so loud today as Satan is loud, Satan is so loud today as, as the voices of the enemy are loud all around us today, the church has gone silent. And I want to tell you, friend, the point of this message for our kids, for our youth, for our college students, for us as adults, is that there is no greater privilege ever given to a man 
for us to stand and as the sands of the hourglass run out and as the, as the trumpet of the Lord prepares the sand to, to, to blow and Jesus prepares to come again, there is no greater privilege than for us to say, oh, there is no other name and I know that name and I love that name and there's no greater privilege to be the people that as it all finishes up and as Jesus comes again, they were found speaking the name name of Jesus, no greater honor. Lord, we didn't go silent. Lord, we weren't silent. Lord, that you would have those you purchased in your cross, no greater honor that when he comes, we would be the people that did not go silent. Let us be that church. Let us be those people. to his glory, for his name. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. Lord Jesus, we come. And I'm thankful for salvation by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Not in five ways. Not in Hinduism, not in New Ageism, not in... Mormonism, not in self-realization, not in good deeds, not in happy thoughts, but in Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for salvation alone in Jesus Christ, number one, because it's how I'm saved. There's a new start, a clean slate, restoration, forgiveness, redemption in Christ. I'm thankful for that. Lord, I'm thankful that it's in Christ alone because it brings all of the glory to the Lamb that took our sin and bore it to the cross and is risen today. All glory be to Jesus. There's only one name. And the Bible says because of that, in the end, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, I'm thankful there's only one way because it exalts my hope and my King, my Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray for a church that would endure, a church that would press on, a church that would proclaim the good news. I pray for, for people in this room that would say nothing else matters, that would carry an eternal torch, the flag of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us in that. Lord, I'm thankful that we've been able to see the fruit of the gospel. I'm thankful that as I know Jeannie now is at home with you, that it was the good news, no work of her own. The work of the cross, no work of hers by which she's saved. And I'm thankful for that. Lord, I pray that you'd make us urgent. Give us integrity. Give us love. Make us urgent. Lord, I pray for some in this room maybe that do not know you. I pray that today in the preaching of the gospel, the hearing of the gospel, that today might be their day of salvation. And I pray that you move in their hearts today as well. Lord, we love you. We praise you, we submit this to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, in Christ's name, amen.